Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Mark Morgan, the former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, also a visiting fellow in the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation and with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And today's topic is immigration situation going from bad to worse. Mark Morgan, welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Rob, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I want to start out with the numbers because they're very instructive. The Biden border policies have been terrible for the country. What's the latest count that we have? And this is very important because, unfortunately, Rob, I think we're kind of getting numb to the numbers already just after 14 months. And we're setting historic highs month after month. This March, even though they haven't been officially released, the numbers were released in a court filing that shows over 220,000 apprehensions in a single month of March, 30 days. Again, shattering, I I think, all-time record for the month of March, shattering 20-year highs. And that's just the apprehensions. Rob, what we don't talk enough are the gotaways. Those that have broken our country and evading apprehension, I'm being told those numbers just for the month of March are 67,000. You know, that's totally outrageous. And yet, as you mentioned, people are hearing these numbers. And at some point, they just start tuning out. Uh, You don't and I don't. But what can we do to keep this relevant in people's minds so that they don't tune out? Is there anything or a different way that we could be presenting the information? No, I, I think that's the challenge is what I would say is you listeners have to understand it's not a right or left thing. It's an American thing. And, and what happens at our southwest border doesn't stay there. That's why we say every town, city and state is a border town, city and state. I, I really uh, just it, your listeners get informed. Don't uh, fall into that confirmation bias and only listen to one channel or one station. Go out, go to fair, go to heritage, go to other uh, entities and get educated. L- let me give you just one stat that, that really shows this. The drug overdoses in a 12 month period, more than 100,000 Americans died from a drug overdose. The leading killer of adults in this country from 18 to 45 is fentanyl. And Rob, we know the overwhelming majority of the drugs in this country, especially fentanyl, come from our southwest border. Our borders are wide open, drugs are pouring in, killing Americans. Why is this a right or left thing to secure our border? It shouldn't be. Yeah, Mark, I've noticed that before. And the very same people that are complaining about these politicians that are complaining about all of the drug deaths, they never, ever, ever mention that the source is the border. And I don't understand that dichotomy or how they're allowed to get away with that. Yeah, well, I, I think that's right. So I, I couldn't agree more. I was just reading the article the other day, and they were talking about the drugs. And, and I, I think most of us heard about the uh, West Point cadets, right, that were in spring break in Florida. And, hey, look, they made a mistake. They were taking some cocaine. But, but that mistake shouldn't have killed them, right? right. But, but a couple of them did die because unbeknownst to them, the fentanyl, uh, the, the cocaine was laced with fentanyl. 
Yet when you read all the articles, if you, as you said, there's never a mention about the border. There's never a mention of where the drugs are coming from. Look, I talk to angel families all the time, those that have had family members that have died either at the hands of an illegal alien or because of something that the cartels have been pushing across, like drugs. And I remember talking to a woman who's 15-year-old daughter, a normal 15-year-old kid. You know, she wasn't a drug addict. She was a good kid. She went to a party. Some friend said, hey, you know, I know you're a little down. Here's this Percocet. It'll help. Well, the first time she ever took a pill, Rob, but she didn't know it was laced with fentanyl and she died. Those are the stories that are out there. But yet when you hear everybody, oh, this is horrible, it's tragic, but no one is making the connection that the drugs are coming from our wide open southern border. Now, I'd like to go to Title 42, which is about to be revoked. And first of all, could you tell us a little bit about what Title 42 is? Yeah, so Title 42 is a, and this is a very important element, it's a public health policy. It's not an immigration policy. And we started during the Trump administration, rightfully so, because of a global pandemic. And what it allowed us to do is those that were illegally entering our country is to not allow them into the country to further reduce the introduction of this deadly disease into our country. In my opinion, it saved countless American lives and untold suffering. And and to show you just how effective it was, the Biden administration, it's the, basically the only policy that they keep in that they've kept in place. In fact, they've used it to to remove over a million illegal aliens. And now they're getting ready to end that policy. But Rob, here's an important element. Right now we're being told that there's a new variant that's here that's still raging havoc in this country. There's still national mandates. I just flew to Southwest border. I had to wear a mask for over nine hours. We have young, basically toddlers have to wear a mask. We have St. Fauci that told us that we're basically possibly gonna have to go back with the national mandates. And here's what's very important is, it's not just about what's happening in our country, it's about what's happening outside. The Border Patrol in the first 14 months of this administration, they apprehended illegal aliens from 157 different countries. They're not all where we are at in this country with dealing with this disease. Give you one example, Haiti, for example, they have less than 1% of their total population vaccinated. And now when Title 42 goes away, a family of five or six or seven will be able to illegally break in our country, tell the border patrol, oh, by the way, we all have COVID and border patrol is gonna have to say, no problem, come on in. Uh, That defies logic and common sense. It sounds insane to me, particularly you mentioned in contrast to the mask mandates that are on the uh, transportation and also in preschools and things like that. What were the numbers or or did they take any numbers uh, during the height of the pandemic as far as the percentage of people that were infected or were they not even testing people? So, so both of those, Rob, are great questions. So let me take the, the latter first. Yeah. The answer is no. So unless you are an unaccompanied minor, right, 17 or below, there was no testing and no vaccine mandates. So literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of families and adults were released into the United States, no testing and no vaccine mandate from the federal government. Now, you had some NGOs that, that were trying but again, it wasn't mandated. They couldn't force them to do anything, although they're forcing that upon us. And we know that, that there are some areas, the border town areas, the cities were keeping track. And at the height, as you said, uh, we were getting reporting from some of the border areas that up to 20 percent of the illegal aliens breaking our country had COVID up to 20 percent. And I believe that that number was low. 
So like you said, it, it's insanity. Why in the world, when we've made so many sacrifices and, and we're not quite over it yet, but we're almost there, why now would you end that program? Of which, by the way, it's going to make a catastrophic crisis even worse. You know, I, I keep stealing Senator Kennedy's kind of line that when they end Title 42, it's going to be like the Hindenburg crash into the Titanic on our southwest border. We should talk about that. I saw a story this morning as I was preparing for this interview, Mark, and they were saying that the expected impact is probably coming sooner than May, uh, which was the original day that it may start happening and that it's imminent. So what are we expecting here? What are we anticipating as far as short and long-term impact in numbers? So both of those are very important because some people are saying, well, as soon as Title 42 ends, we're going to have this new tidal wave. First of all, even if Title 42, let, let's take Title 42 out of it for a second, mm-hmm. j- j- just for discussion. We're already in the middle of an unmitigated catastrophe at our southern border, with or without Title 42. I mean, currently, the numbers are over 8,000 and creeping towards 9,000 a day. As I said, last month was over 220,000. I mean, look, they're, they're, they're projecting uh, this fiscal year uh, to, to be, uh, especially once Title 42 goes away, well over 3.5 million migrants that have tried to illegally enter our border. We're already well into the crisis. What's going to happen, though, what's being reported is because in anticipation and the rhetoric that Title 42 is going to go away, you've got migrants that now are kind of massing on the other side of our border just waiting for that. So you're going to see, that's why I keep saying it's going to be like the Hindenburg crashing into the Titanic. We're in the middle of one disaster. As soon as Title 42 goes away, all those that are kind of lying in the way are going to push forward. So you're going to have this immediate kind of uh, incredible tidal wave surge on top of the catastrophic uh, numbers we already have. Now, that will be temporary uh, as they get across, and then it'll level off. But but right now, the chief of the Border Patrol, which which I'm not a fan of right now, he's saying that the sustain rate could be any, uh, over 8,000 a day. That's catastrophic. Do we even have the manpower if we decided that we wanted to try to stem the tide? It seems to me that we're just being overrun at our border without a border wall or any other uh, seemingly effective restrictive device. I mean, how do we stop this? We, we don't. And, and that, I, I think that's the most important question. And your listeners really, I, I, I really implore them to get educated on what's going on. We essentially right now, we have no borders. With this administration has literally handed the borders over to the cartels. They've made, there, there is no distinction now between illegal and legal immigration. There's no distinction now. I mean, when you have numbers that are reaching 220 and estimated over 250,000 apprehensions every 30 days, you have no borders. And there is no difference between legal and illegal immigration. And here's what's important. And and this is what we keep saying. This is first and foremost about border security. And this is what's very frustrating to me is the lie and the the false narrative that's being told out there that somehow that as an American citizen, we can be both for border security and for illegal immigration. No, you can't. It doesn't work that way. They're not mutually exclusive. Look, when you open your borders up to one threat or one crisis, you're opening your borders up to the vast set of threats that we face. In this case, this administration has opened its borders up to illegal immigration. That pulls 70, up to 80% of border patrol resources off the front line, off the national security mission. What happens? The border is wide open, unpatrolled. You've got drugs pouring in, killing Americans, gang members, criminal aliens. The list goes on, including an exponential increase to our national security vulnerabilities. That's what we have on our border right now. This isn't just about a manpower issue. This is about a policy 
policy issue that this administration is not doing its constitutional duty to secure our borders and protect this country. And under all of this and this chaos that's been um, implemented by the Biden administration, lack of enforcement, how are the individual agents holding up? Um, I can't imagine that they would be feeling good about their jobs or even be wanting to go to work. Yeah, they're, they're not. Look, you're, you're well informed. The morale is the worst it's ever been. I, I just got a, a statement from someone that's been doing the board choices for 26 years. And he, this is his statement, not my words. He said he got up in the morning, he was getting his uniform on, making sure it was all squared away, as, as most board agents do. And he said he looked in the mirror, Rob, and he said for the first time he realized that now he's actually part of the largest smuggling operation in the history of this country. And he was no longer proud to serve in the organization that he had for 26 years. You've got other agents that are literally turning their backs on the secretary because they know that the secretary has not only turned his back on them, but this country. They have made statements like, look, all it takes for evil to win is for good men to do nothing and women. And they said, that's exactly what we're doing because of these policies. And, and I think we all remember they were chastised and vilified and agents' careers were ruined, uh, the, the horse patrol agents, when all went to the president of the United States said that they were whipping migrants. And, and, and the president's own words said, you will pay. And they knew it was all a lie, Rob. It was all a lie. And now the report, I'm being told the report is done that exonifies these agents and says that they did not whip anybody, but yet no one in this administration will get out and say that and apologize to rebuild their careers and rebuild their reputations. It's unconscionable. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast continues with Mark Morgan in just a moment. Support this podcast online at shillingshow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at News on Twitter. Looking out for us, Rob Schaub. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast, we return now with Mark Morgan. I'd like to go to the state's role in immigration enforcement because we're starting to see some action from brave governors. First of all, I want to go to the Constitution and what the Constitution says. In other words, if the federal government doesn't do its job, what happens? Yeah, so this is very important. We're trying to push this across the board, Rob. I think this is where we're at now. And this is why many have said, including, you know, I have joined this group that said, this is beyond a national security crisis. It's beyond a humanitarian crisis. This is a constitutional crisis. And here's why we say this. The Constitution is very clear. It's called the Guarantee Clause that says the federal government right, has the absolute responsibility to protect the country and protect the states from threats from outside our borders. 
that when you look to the southwest border, I think there it's clear that this administration has abdicated that clause, that responsibility. We are absolutely being overrun. We're absolutely being invaded uh, across the board. And then also in the Constitution, it's very clear. It's part of why the Constitution was ratified, right, is that the state said, hey, we're not giving up all our rights to the federal government. We're still going to maintain some enabling rights. And one of those is, is to protect our own state should the federal government fail to do so, either because of will or lack of capacity. And that's what we have right now. So, so I know that those discussions are going on. You had A.G. Baranovich from Arizona actually did a legal analysis on the constitutional issue that said, in fact, he does believe that what's happened on the southwest border is an invasion and the states have a right to take action. Now, that action is ultimately going to rest with the governors. I know that Governor Abbott and some others are seriously having their teams take a look at this. And I hope they draw the same conclusion that a lot of us have is that more needs to be done. Yeah, before we go to Texas, I want to stay in Arizona, and I'm glad you brought it up because I remember it was just a few years ago that they had SB 1070, which went all the way up to the Supreme Court, as I recall, and a good portion of it was struck down. I thought that was a bad decision because what are these states to do uh, if the federal government is abdicating? Yeah, Rob, Rob so that's a very, it's U.S. v. Arizona. It's just a very important point, very important case. But it really talked about that immigration law is a federal responsibility and states can't enforce federal immigration law. They, they, they touched a little bit of, of the, the invasion issue, the constitutional issue that I brought up, but it was not part of the decision. It really involved that a state cannot enforce immigration law. Constitutional issue that I'm talking about is they would not be enforcing federal immigration law. They would simply be invoking the state's right to protect themselves, that part of the Constitution, because the federal government has failed to do that job. So, so they would say, absolutely, this is an invasion. It's jeopardizing every aspect of our state's public safety, health, and national security, and therefore we're going to take action under the Constitution to protect itself. It would not be to enforce federal immigration law, if that makes sense. It does, and it sounds perfectly reasonable, and I'm glad that they're looking for an alternate path to ensure the integrity of their own states. So let's talk about Texas specifically. I know you go down to the border. I know you've been to Texas recently. So what is the impact on Texas of illegal aliens just crashing into the state? Yeah, so remember, Texas has well over 1,200 miles of border that shell of the 2,000. So Texas definitely gets the brunt of it. I keep saying, you know, every every town, city, and state is a border town, city, and state. So every state in this country is impacted. But, of course, the border states get the brunt of that, and Texas is surely getting that, uh, more so than any other border state along the southwest border. Uh, and, and Governor Abbott and, and the uh, Texas AG uh, Paxton, they, they, they are doing more than just about any other governor. You have other, some other governors, DeSantis, uh, obviously in Florida. You've got some other interior governors that are stepping up finally and doing things as well. But no one's done more right now than, than Governor Abbott under Operation Lone Star. That started uh, last March. So it's been in existence for you know over a year now. And they've made con- incredible progress and they've achieved some incredible success. But at the end of the day, because they're limited and they cannot enforce federal immigration law, as we talked about because of the Arizona case, their hands are tied. I'll give you one example. They cannot remove illegal aliens. Now, right now, that falls under the purview of federal immigration law. So some of the two, the majority, actually, of the 200,000 illegal aliens that Texas has, has apprehended under Operation Lone Star, they've had to just give them back to a Border Patrol, who then is forced to release them. 
And so until we can start detaining and removing illegal aliens, you're not going to see these numbers stop. You're not going to see the crisis stop. And our border is going to remain wide open and unsecure. And that's why I really believe we've got to push this constitutional issue. I don't think that it makes a practical impact, but it certainly makes a point. Uh, Governor Abbott has been sending buses to D.C. with some of the illegal aliens. Tell us about that, how that works, so people have a good understanding of what's actually going on here. Yeah, Rob, so first of all, I, I think you're one of the few hosts that really have it right. I've done a lot of interviews. I say, hey, well, isn't this just political theater? It's not really going to have any substance. Look, that was never his design, right? He knew that sending you know, four or five, six busloads of illegal uh, aliens to D.C. was going to have any substantive issue immediately on securing the border, stemming the flow. It was to do as just you said. It was to send a message. And look, and it was to ensure that we're still talking about it. And we are. He's already checked off one goal. The other was to really wake up, try to wake up the White House, try to wake up Congress, including the Republicans. Look, there are many Republicans that in the past 14 months have remained in the shadows, have remained on the sidelines. They have not stepped forward. They have not been aggressive. They have not been hurt. They have not been vocal to push back on this administration to say what they're doing on the southwest border is unconscionable. So I hope that's also going to help push some of those Republicans that remain on the sideline to come forward in a more aggressive stance. I think it's working, but obviously it's not going to change physically what's happened on the border. Hopefully it'll just get some awakening in Congress for them to reverse course. Mark, you mentioned the importance of governors, and I'm starting to think that that's really going to be the solution. So I've got to ask you, is there any movement towards a coalition of governors who would act almost as a group on this issue and therefore perhaps wield more power? There is. Um, I, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of discussions. You're seeing more lawsuits include multiple states, including interior states. Yeah. Um, that That's so important. Uh, because, again, it really signifies and, and it shows that this is not just a border state issue. You're seeing more governors step up. You're seeing more governors be vocal. But, but Rob, it's not enough. We need more. I mean, look, right now, with, when the Southwest border, the numbers that we have that I, I've already mentioned, as well as you did, Title 42 uh, ending, and DHS's own intelligence is showing that again, it's going to be that that little you know Hindenburg crashing into the Titanic. What has this administration done? Have they taken one step to reverse course to reduce the flow or secure our border? No, they haven't. In fact, the only one that's trying to sign an agreement with Mexico to help secure our borders is Governor Abbott. This administration's their response to the border crisis right now is to spend another billion dollars of the taxpayers' money to set up soft-sided facilities and to put more personnel down there to get faster at processing and releasing individuals that have broken into our country. That's their response. I'd like to talk also about the, the distribution, if you will, of illegal aliens across the United States. So I get reports here in Charlottesville, Virginia, you know, far from the U.S. border, but uh, border area nonetheless, that we're getting busloads of, at the time a few months ago, a sick, a desperately sick illegal aliens being put up in local luxury hotels by the federal government. And yet we have no reporting on that locally and really almost no way to verify it. Uh, again, I, I really appreciate talking to you, uh, Rob, because you, you know this, you've done your homework, and, and I do sincerely appreciate that because this is a big issue. So uh, the uh, DHS IG just came out with a report. There was a contract. Uh, it's, the, the company's called Endeavor. So they signed a sole source contract, and sole source means they didn't have to compete. 
means they that there was a criteria and then this company got it didn't have to compete with any country and that contract was for 87 million dollars and guess what the contract was for is to buy hotel rooms so when illegal aliens broke into our country they were released and then they were put up in hotels to the cost of taxpayers of 87 million dollars let me give you just one of the top lines of the report is that they could not account for 17 million of that 87 and there are a lot more issues with the sole source contract too because there's a connection right now some people are saying with the administration and those that oversee endeavor so that that's another issue of fraud but 17 million dollars there were hotel rooms that went unused unused mm-hmm. but yet they still had to pay for it taxpayers to the cost of 17 million dollars and as you said right now look when they're releasing people no testing no vaccine requirement they don't know if they're sick they don't know what type of disease it could be it could be a measles it could be COVID. it, it could be a whole host of infectious diseases they have we don't know so is there any notification at all of the receiving jurisdictions or of the receiving states to the governors no, the man that, that has my position that I used to have, uh, CBP Commissioner Magnus, he he, he wrote a, a statement the other day about Governor Abbott busting the illegal ends to D.C. It was laughable. I, I, I Clearly, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And the political appointees that wrote that for him, they don't know what they were talking about. They should have had the career folks write it. But he talks about how we coordinate and the governor is not coordinating and it's, it's best for everybody when you coordinate movements like this. I, I almost fell on my chair laughing if it wasn't so sad. Is every single day flights are going in and the illegal aliens are going into every state in this country. And there's zero, Rob, zero coordination happening. Look, they are sending night flights of unaccompanied minors, and most of them are 15 to 17, by the way, in the middle of the night to every state in this country. They don't coordinate with the governor. They don't coordinate with the AG. They don't coordinate with anybody. And then on the border, you know, Border Patrol is forced to release hundreds and hundreds of thousands of illegal alien families, of which NGOs then give them plane tickets anywhere in the country they want to go. And there's no coordination with that state. The state has no idea who and what is coming into their town. It's laughable right now. Finally, Mark, it looks like the politics are changing and maybe catching up with the situation. There's two things I'd like to talk about. The movement of Hispanic voters, particularly in border states like Texas, to the GOP, and also Democrat senators feeling the heat in Arizona and Georgia. We've had some reports recently regarding the Title 42 revocation. Let's take the polling numbers. In fact, just this morning before I came on with you, Rob, I was watching an interview with a panel of Hispanics. Look, they're leading some of the numbers right now of why President Biden is upside down with his border security. They understand. I was listening to one. He said, this this is not right. He goes, my family worked hard. They came over here legally. We petitioned legally to become a citizen of this country. And it's not fair to all of us who did it the right way, who, who took a lot of time and, and it cost a lot of money to do it legally. And now all these individuals are getting ahead of the line. Another Hispanic in that panel talked about the fact that we need a wall because they know that not everybody coming across are good people. Look, in the first 14, 15 months of this administration, over 700,000 gotaways, 700,000 gotaways. And the Hispanics, they know better than anybody that they're not all good. There are some really bad people among that 700,000, which by the way, is larger than the entire state uh, of Vermont. 
Now, let's go to the Arizona senators. I, I'm sorry. I, I think it's all political. Mm-hmm. Where Cinema and Kelly, where have they been for the first 14 months when this administration absolutely dismantled our border and literally handed over to the cartels and Americans are dying every single day? They've remained silent. It's only now that they're in this embattled political race that at the midnight hour they're going to stand up. It, to me, it, it's a joke. Where have they been? It's all politics. They're not really serious about securing our border. They're just wanting to win an election. Mark Morgan, where can we get more information on the work that you're doing? Yeah, so so fair is, is, is fairus.org. You know, I'm a visiting fellow with the Heritage Foundation as, as well. You know, either one of those organizations, you can, I really encourage your viewers to go there, uh, educate themselves with respect to the reality of what's going on. And you'll see that securing our borders should not be a right or left thing. It should be an American thing. Mark Morgan, we appreciate your ongoing efforts to get the word out and all the things that you do to make sure that the country is safe. We appreciate you joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thanks, Rob. That concludes another edition of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.